Hello, hello, friends. It's Kristen Jackson coming to you as the host of this amazing podcast, Kristen Conquers. <laughs> I enjoy doing that. I don't I don't know if you guys enjoy it, but I do. And well, you know, that's really what matters here. <laughs> so anyway, today I want to talk some more about fear because I learned some more stuff and I wanted to share it with you guys. So Uh, Let's go ahead and hop on into it. I am super excited for this episode. So here's the thing. We were talking about fear yesterday and I wanted I wanted to share a few more insights. So as we begin to um, accept our fear and get personal with it and like dig into it and, and learn more about it, the other powerful question that we need to ask ourselves is, when do our do I feel you? We have to ask our fear that, right? Like when when do I feel this fear? What is the thing that triggers it? What um is the root of that fear? And once we figure out the root of the fear, then we can like um reverse engineer to figure out that the root of whatever like For example, if your fear is around what other people think about you, then our root fear may be influencing our decision-making skills, right? And we want to learn to make our decisions based on places of education and knowledge, not places of fear. So by developing a knowledge around our fear and what causes it and really digging into it and almost developing an intimacy with our fear, then we start to recognize our fear patterns and they help us help us trace the fear to its root. And then we can figure out if there's truly a cause for urgency or whether our fear is actually Um, you know, can actually lead us to recognize opportunities to live more in alignment with our values and our passion and our purpose. And so um, while, so that's one part of it, which I thought was super valuable, but though we're developing this intimacy with our fear, we also want to see it as its own entity. And I think it's, this was a super powerful thing is to recognize that we need to separate the fear from us so that we're not talking to ourselves as the, as though we are whatever our fear is. We need to talk to our fear as though it is separate from us. And because it, because it is, when we talk about our emotions, we usually say we are that emotion. Like I am so pissed off. I am pissed off. I am upset. I am sad. I am frustrated, whatever. But when we talk to our fear, that separates it from us. And that helps us understand that the fear is not us. It is just something that we experience. And I thought, wow, that was really valuable. It's And it's the same thing with our emotions. Our emotions are something that we're feeling. It is not who we are. Unless we don't learn to make that separation, right? So we need to try to shift our languaging and sh- uh, and separate ourselves. 
instead of saying, I am angry, I am pissed off, I am frustrated, whatever, say, I feel angry, I feel pissed off, I feel frustrated. And then that puts our emotions in their rightful place. And it's a really easy change once you become aware of it and you can flip that switch to start to recognize when you're using that kind of languaging and you can change your perspective. Um, and when we start to when we start to have that perspective of changing it, our initial reactions around our fear start to give us time, give us space to help us examine what our fear is trying to tell us and what the situation around us is trying to tell us. And um, another thing I thought was really valuable is he says that when we, when, we be, when we track our fears back to where they come from, back to their source, most of us find that they're closely, our fears are closely related to attachment, our need to own and control things. And that we hold on to ideas we have about ourselves to, we hold on to material possessions, we hold on to a standard of living that we think defines us, to relationships that we want to be one thing, even if they are clearly another. And that is, that goes back to monkey thinking, like we were talking about on a couple, a few episodes ago. And a monk mindset practices detachment. And we realize that everything from our houses to our families is basically borrowed because we can't cling to temporary things. And once we start to recognize, um, you know, that everything in life is temporary then we can learn to start to detach. And I think that this, there might be um, mis- some misconceptions about saying that we need to detach, but I want to um, share with you what Jay says, which is that a lot of people equate or they think about detachment as indifference or like having no emotion around whatever it is you're detaching from. Um and that i think is actually not true um when we acknowledge that all of the blessings that we have in our lives whether it be a big house or a nice car or an amazing family when we start to equate that to to maybe i don't know like vacation at a nice airbnb we can become free to enjoy those things without living in constant fear of losing them. And this line he says, I think is super important and funny, funny slash also valuable. He says, we, when we acknowledge that all blessings are like a fancy rental car or a beautiful Airbnb, we are free to enjoy them without living in constant fear of losing them. We are all the lucky vacationers enjoying our stay in Hotel Earth. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's super valuable. So um, 
And then he gave an ex- uh, an exercise, which I love that he gives exercises in this book. You guys, you know that I am just going to brag about this book and keep sharing the lessons with you. Um, he's, he says to ask yourself, what am I afraid of losing? Start with external things like your car, your house, your looks, etc. Write down everything that you think of. Now think about the internal things like your reputation, your status, your sense of belonging, and write those down too. And these combined lists are likely to be the greatest sources of pain in our life. And our fear of having these things taken away um we fear that that right so start thinking about changing your mental relationship with these things so that you are less attached to them remember you can still fully love and enjoy your partner your children your home your money from a space of non-attachment it's about understanding and accepting that all things are temporary and that we can truly own or control anything So that we can fully appreciate these things and they can enhance our life rather than being a source of gripping fear. What better way to accept that children eventually go off? (laughs) What better way to accept that children eventually go off to live their own lives and call you once a week if you're lucky? I don't have any kids yet, but I'm sure that that's how my mom feels. (laughs) This is a lifelong practice, okay? But as, as we begin to become more and more accepting of the fact that we don't truly own or control anything, we'll find ourselves actually beginning to enjoy and value people, things, and experiences more and being more thoughtful about which ones we choose to include in our life. And I thought that was also super valuable. So um, I think... Uh, another thing that I think is so, it's so interesting slash funny is that fear, um, it really starts to make us fiction writers. Like if we think about it, like how many of you have been in a situation where something scary happens, maybe something unexpected, like, um, I'm guessing that more people, especially during this last year of COVID and, you know, being home and shelter in place, like maybe some people lost their jobs. That would be an unexpected situation, right? But like, how many of us, as soon as we got the news that we lost our jobs, immediately went into like a panic spiral, right? Because we didn't have control over our fear. We started to imagine future outcomes in our heads and fear can hold us back, right? It imprisons our imagination by creating all of these imagining, like all of these stories that aren't true. We don't know what's going to happen when something unexpected or scary happens, but our mind and our fear creates this narrative that we don't even know if that's an actual thing, right? So our fears... Our, this is a quote, okay, this is a quote from um, Roman philosopher Seneca. He says, our fears are more numerous than our dangers, and we suffer more in our imagination than reality. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> for real, though, like for real. 
I mean, personally, I can tell you that we've had this tough situation that we've been trying to deal with, and it's just kind of looming over us. And I have created 64,000 scenarios of what might happen because of this, okay? So, I mean, like just, we we can't, how much value, how much time have I spent worrying about these imagined scenarios, right? Like how much time have I lost that I could have been doing other things that would be beneficial to me? So we have to start to learn to accept our situation and whatever's going to come out of it and focus on what we can control. We can control what we choose to do with our time. We can't control ultimately what might happen. It's hard not to judge in the moment and it's hard to remain open to opportunity when the unknown is just like looming out in front of you. But we need to be more like... Okay, I'm going to tell you one story and then I'm going to wrap it up, okay? So there's this parable about a farmer whose horse ran away. If you've heard it, cool. If you haven't, listen. And then the point of me telling you this parable is that we need to be more like the farmer, okay? So the farmer's horse ran away. How unlucky, his brother said to him. But the farmer just shrugged and he was like, eh, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Who knows? And then a week later, the horse came back and it brought back a beautiful, wild female horse, a mare. And his brother was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. How lucky. And the farmer just was like, eh, it might be good. It might be bad. Who knows? And then a few days later, the farmer's son was riding that female horse, trying to tame the wild horse. But she bucked him off and he broke his leg. And the farmer's brother was like, oh my gosh, that's so unlucky. Sheesh, I can't believe it. You know, the farmer remained calm and said, eh, might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. Who knows? (coughs) But then the next day, all of the young men of their village were, were called into military service. But because his son's leg was broken, he was excused from the draft. And the brother tells the farmer, that must be the best news. And the farmer still said, "Eh, it might be a good thing, it might be a bad thing, who knows. The point of it is the farmer in this story didn't get lost in all of the what ifs, but instead focused on what was right in front of him. And I think that that's a really valuable mindset. I think that that's a really valuable observation. So I'm going to stop rambling, (laughs) but I love you guys and I hope that you got some value out of that. And um, I just love you guys so, so, so much. Please, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a moment, if you're getting value out of the podcast, to uh, head over to Apple iTunes and leave me a five-star review with a love note. 
um, so that you can get entered into the drawing when we get to 25 five-star reviews. I'm giving away cash money, and it might be yours as long as you leave a five-star review with a love note, because if you don't leave a love note, I can't see it, and then you can't get entered in the drawing, and it's a whole thing, and I want to give away some money, honey, okay? I love you guys so, so much, and I will catch you on the next episode.